Amen. You can be seated this morning. As you're seated, why don't you grab your Bible? Amen. We're going to go dive into the Word of the Lord. Uh, teaching this morning, continuing on the series about the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. We're going to be doing this every uh, until the end of the year, on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Uh, and we're going to be moving through every aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. And I believe that God is helping us and that God is uh, trying to teach us some things and deposit some things into our our minds and our understanding. Uh, Galatians 5 and 22 uh, is where I want you to, we're going to, we've, we've been going there uh, the last several weeks through these uh, lessons and uh, eventually we'll probably have this memorized, Galatians 5 and 22 through 23. And it uh, says, but the fruit of the spirit is love Joy, peace, long-suffering. And this is as, uh, as far as we've, we're, we're making it thus far in this series. Uh, we started out talking about, teaching about love and that foundational uh, aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. And joy is what we talked about uh, last uh, Sunday morning. And we taught this past Wednesday night about peace. And if you haven't had the opportunity opportunity to hear all the lessons the uh messages are all on the podcast and they're all current and we encourage you to go there and uh, stay connected to what is being taught and what is going on uh, but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law and then in your bibles why don't you skip over just a few more pages to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. When you have it, say amen. amen. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. Brother Paul, stand and read it, please. For ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Amen. Thank you, Brother Paul. You have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And uh, the King James uses uh, in Galatians 5 and 22, the, uh, if you will, old English uh, word that is called long suffering. Uh, we don't usually use that word uh, unless you have a very expansive uh, vocabulary and you really like to dive into different uh, periods of time and pull on those old words that give a little bit more uh, understanding. Uh, if you were to simply look at the word, the spelling of the word long-suffering, it would be easy to understand what it means uh, without fully understanding you know, uh, the, the exact definition. It's easy to look at long-suffering and figure out that I am to be, if I am to be long-suffering, I am to suffer a long time. But the word patient, you have to kind of understand what patience is to be able to understand it. Uh, so there, that's the benefit of some of these older words, long-suffering. But long-suffering, uh, 
when we speak of the aspect of long-suffering and the fruit of the Spirit, we are actually referring to our common vernacular word, patience. Everyone say patience. Patience. Uh, The Greek word that is used in this uh, Galatians 5 and 22 for long-suffering is makrothumia. This is the word that long-suffering and the fruit of the Spirit is derived from. And there are some aspects that we want to uh, give you today that help to describe what long-suffering is. Uh, one word is patience, we mentioned a moment ago. Uh, another word is endurance, being able to endure things. Constancy, a steadfastness, a, a perseverance. And the other word is a forbearance, being able to forbear things uh, upon us. Long-suffering, we, we already talked about. And, and the last thing that helps to describe this word is a slowness in avenging wrongs. Being slow to avenge yourself and being patient, being long-suffering. There are reasons why patience is so hard to develop. Uh, first of all, patience is contrary to our culture. It's even contrary to your human nature. Uh, I have the privilege and the enlightening experience of being able to raise a child right now. And when that baby girl of mine wants milk or wants a bottle uh, or wants something, she will scream until she gets it in that moment. Uh, There's a few times where I've noticed she's being patient. But on the, for the most part, uh, babies are very impatient. Ask any mother out there. They want what they want when they want it. And they're not going to stop letting you know until they get what they want. Uh, it, it's something that is ingra- ingrained in us or it's just part of our nature. We, uh, we expect things right now. We expect instant satisfaction and self-gratification, whether it's a baby looking for a bottle or it's an adult looking for, uh, sometimes I've seen it in people looking for a relationship, whatever first thing comes along, I'm snatching it up because I, I need some, I need a fix right now. It could be an adult or a young person that, that needs a, uh, an instant moment of gratification. So they, they, they sniff a line of Coke or uh, they're looking for instant healing, instant something. Yeah. Uh, and there's uh, a lack of patience. But patience is contrary to our culture. Uh, more and more, you see, even as the city of Lathrop is growing, there's fast food restaurants. And we love fast food restaurants because we don't always have the time or the ability or sometimes even the desire to cook. Uh, and so we want it right now. Uh, we live in a fast-paced society. Uh, we could talk about all sorts of things. And, and, and myself, I'm guilty of I like things fast-paced. I like to keep moving. If I'm in a job for uh, 10, 12 months and, and nothing's changing, I want the next advancement because I, I'm getting bored. I, I want to go forward. I, I want something more. I want to keep reaching. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's that there's that desire. And daily we feel the pressure uh, that we're talking about this morning, whether it's in the home in the morning, uh, a, a, a parent or a grandparent raising their grandchildren uh, in, in the morning. They're, they're trying to get out of the house and they're rushing. And, and you may see me occasionally rushing down the, the road trying to get to my job. Uh, we're all that way, whether it be on the freeway or uh, at the job, uh, this deadline or that deadline. 
And then back on the freeway after work is over and we're, we're flying back home to get home and take care of stuff. And, and there, there's a, we're on the go constantly and that's America. We're, we're, we're just constantly on the move and, and we don't always know how to slow down and be patient and just say, hey, and guilty right up here. I'm guilty. Amen. Got to slow down and say, I'm going to allow patience to have its perfect work. We hurry to church and the social activities and then we fall exhausted into bed at the end of the day. And then the next day we get up and we do it all over again. And we're constantly on the move. And the advancement of technology has created in us a lack of patience. The advancement in technology has created in us a lack of patience. No longer do you got to uh, go find grandma and grandpa's encyclopedia Britannica in the cabinet. You can open your phone and go to Google and find out right now what is the answer to how many degrees does my uh, my prime rib need to be at before I can eat it. I ain't got to go searching and calling around. I can find out right now. We have so much technology. We can uh, we just we just do it. We take care of business uh, and we feel that if the machines are getting faster then the people should, too. And our, our level of uh, expectations goes up. Because we have so much things at our disposal. Secondly, patience goes against human nature. We mentioned it a moment ago. We're born, uh, we're not born patient. That just like the baby uh, from birth, we become demanding and impatient. And if we are not disciplined correctly, then we grow up with a spirit of impatience. And thirdly, there are roots of pride selfishness and anger that can choke patience out of a person's life. Pride, selfishness, and anger. The Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 15 says, It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things sometimes that get us uh, and cause us to stumble and to fall. Uh, Luke 21 and 19 says, In your patience possess ye your souls. In your patience, amen, have uh, some self-control in your life. In your patience, have uh, possession of your souls. And when we allow uh, these things to take the patience out of our lives, we endanger our salvation. Uh, We need patience as we move through this lesson today. We need patience in three areas of our life. And if you've been paying close attention to the lessons we've taught on the last several weeks, we're focusing on patience. the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit in relation to God, in relation to ourselves, and in relation to those around us. And the first thing is that we need to have patience with ourselves. St. Francis uh, said, have patience with all things, but first of all, with yourself. Again, one aspect of the fruit builds upon another, and we need to consider that kindness Goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. If you go back to Galatians 5 and 22. After long suffering is gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Those things flow out of patience. First, there's got to be the foundation of love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering. It it builds upon itself. Another part is revealed. The Bible talks about here a little and there a little. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. And that's not just 
uh, a scripture about holiness, but that's a scripture about understanding the things of God. Understanding and being having a revelation, a mindset that builds upon what I heard last Wednesday. I'm going to build upon it today. I'm not going to uh, relinquish what I, I got from the Lord. I'm not going to let go of that revelation, but I'm going to hold on to it and I'm going to build upon that understanding. In other words, it would be a struggle with to be any of those those last several aspects of the fruit of the Spirit without the aspect of patience in our lives. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Let's see how quick Sister Gina gets. She's fast. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and it says long-suffering. We are to put these things on as a garment. We're to put on as the elect of God, as holy and beloved. We're to have bowels of mercy. And we could stop and just teach on this for a couple hours. Bowels of mercies. Showing mercy to others in our world. Having kindness. Being kind and gentle to one another. And having a humbleness of mind, not a proud mind that says, well, I am a lot better. I know a lot better than those. But having a humility saying, there's more that I still have yet to learn. And a meekness. And then the last word in this scripture is long suffering. We're to put it on as a garment. Putting on patience. This scripture instructs us how we are to clothe our life and our spirit. An ancient Chinese proverb states that if you are patient in one moment of anger, if you are patient in one moment of anger, you will avoid 100 days of sorrow. It's not Bible, it's just an ancient Chinese proverb. If you can be patient in one moment of anger, you can avoid 100 days of sorrow. Luke chapter 8 and verse 15 says, but on the good ground, this is talking about the the parable of the sower and the seed in Luke chapter 8 and 15. And I've read that uh, that parable many times. And then when I read it, preparing for this lesson this this morning, I thought, where was that at when I read that the last hundred times? But it reads like this, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart Having heard the word, so number one is having an honesty and a good heart. And and number two is being able to hear the word. And number three is able to keep it. And number four is in bringing forth fruit with patience. Bringing forth fruit with patience. It It takes a patient person, amen, to plant a garden, to prepare the soil, to plant the garden. And to, and to begin to cultivate the seed and to begin to prune off branches and to begin to just be patient and wait for eventually that fruit to be on the branches of that tree. It takes patience. It's not an overnight thing. Amen. It's not an overnight thing. And not every plant that you put in the ground is going to produce the same amount of fruit as the plant next to it. 
So we should not be impatient with others in the church when we don't see them advancing as fast as we are or as far as we are. When, when, when every, every tree, everything that God puts is unique and has its own stamp upon it. And we're going to be impatient and say, well, they're not doing the way that I'm doing. They're not advancing the way that I'm advancing. Amen. It is God that puts the seed in the ground. It is God that gives the increase. It is God that designed, amen, how each and every one of us would produce fruit. And there must be patience that we have in this life. We've got to have fruit with patience. It's not to say that it's never going to happen, but it's to say that if we will allow God to work in our lives and we will be patient with the process, there will be fruit that we see upon the branches of our lives. And when we have prepared our hearts to receive the word as good ground receives seed, it will take patience to see the harvest come to pass. And this harvest is in our own lives. It is a harvest of those things that are necessary to spiritual maturity. Amen. It takes patience saying, God, just keep working on my life. I'm not going to rush things. A lot of times I've seen people in church, amen, want to rush things because they don't see things happening the way that they think it ought to happen because they look at the church down the road and they're having uh, lots of fruit on the tree and we're not having it as fast as they are, amen. But there is a process that God is doing in our lives and in our church. Yes. And sometimes uh, uh, I'm just reflecting back on my own brief uh, short garden experience. There was, there was a year of, uh, of lots of fruits on one particular tree, and then the next season there was just two. And I thought, man, what's going on? But I could tell that the health of that tree was a lot. Uh, there was it was a lot more leafy and a lot more green, but there wasn't the fruit yet. So I have to, as the gardener, if you will, be patient and just just keep doing what I know to do because eventually, if I'm doing the right thing, there's going to be a harvest. On that tree. And eventually in this church, if we focus on doing the right thing consistently, amen, and allowing God to lead us and to guide us, amen, there will be fruit on this tree. There will be fruit that happens in this church. But it won't be because one person only tended to the garden, but it will be because you tended to the things in your life. And you took responsibility. Amen. There's something I heard about some time ago talking about uh, uh, this, this word that's called extreme ownership. How many has ever heard of that? Extreme ownership. It is, it is something that uh, there's, there's this new phrase that people are saying or have been saying now is of own it. Have you heard that? They say you need to own that. It's it's it's. It's talking about an understanding of extreme ownership. There has to be those of us in the church to say, I'm going to own that. I'm not going to cast blame on somebody else, but I'm going to own that thing in my life. And I'm going to own the fact that uh, uh, I may or may not be doing the right thing. But if I do the right thing and I'll be patient, God will give the increase. But I'm going to own that. I'm going to own that. Uh, if we get frustrated with ourselves. In the process, then the seed never takes root and will will die. And in his uh, 
widely read book, Stephen Covey writes in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He wrote, be patient with yourself. Self-growth is tender. It's holy ground, he wrote. There is no greater investment. This is someone that has wrote, written a particular book that has impacted many leaders and many influencers in the world. And he taught, he just simply is letting the reader know that uh, they are to be patient with themselves. Self-growth is tender. It's holy ground. It's, it's a sacred thing. And you've got to take responsibility. But you, there's also got to be a patience you have. Having patience. Since God is patient with us, we need to be patient with ourselves. I am, for one, thankful that God has been patient with me. Maybe y'all in this place are perfect, never made a mistake, never caused the Lord to lose hair, if you will, lose sleep. But I know there's been times when God has been patient with me after I had messed up time and again. But my heart was, I'm going to pick myself back up, Sister Felicia, and I'm going to get back up. And I'm going to say, God, let's do this all over again. Help me to make it. Help me to do better today. Help me, God, in this process, in this journey. I'm going to be patient with myself. I'm not going to give up and quit because I'm not what I think I ought to be by this moment in my life. But I'm going to say, God, I'm going to allow you to continue to work in my life. I'm not going to be complacent, but I'm also not going to... uh, Uh, stop doing things. I'm going to keep working in this process. I'm going to allow the process to work in my life. The process that is at work in our lives will not be completed overnight. And so we need to be patient with ourselves. Uh, We must be accepting of who we are while we are also striving to improve improve upon who we are. We've got to keep trying to improve upon our own lives and ourselves. Amen. We can't ever become stagnant. But while we're not, but while we are refusing to become stagnant, we've also got to be patient and realize it takes time for me to get where I need to be. Amen. It's going to take time. God's just working on my life. Amen. God is just going to continue to work upon my life. And I'm going to understand in patience that God is in control of my life. And he's going to help me to be the man or the woman that I need to be. Amen. I'm going to ask the Lord, amen, to give me the strength that I need every single day. Philippians 1 and verse number 6 says, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm going to live my life with a confidence, amen, that the God that began this work in me is not through with me yet, but he's going to keep working in my life as long as I stay exactly where God has me at. In this moment, you've got to be confident. You've got to have a confidence, amen, in your God that he that has begun this work is not leaving me out to dry. But that God that began the work, he saw the course that I would take. He knew the path that I would walk on. And that same God that invested in me at an old-fashioned altar is going to be with me until the very last day.
were forming until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, God, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. He did not call you and I to failure. He called us, amen, to be victorious. And he is still in control of my life. And without patience this morning, without patience with ourselves, we will not receive the reward. Amen. It takes patience, amen, for that farmer, amen, from the moment of inception of that seed in the ground, amen, until that given appointed time when that fruit bears on the tree and it's ripe, amen. It takes time for that process to happen. But if the farmer becomes impatient and smashes the seed, smashes that little uh, growth that's coming out of the ground because it does not happen in the time that he wants it to, amen, there'll never be the harvest. There'll never be the reward. But it takes patience living for God. It takes patience, amen, to see the prize. It takes patience to have revival. It takes work. But it takes waiting upon the Lord. And I'm going to live with a confidence that He has His hand upon my life. The Apostle Paul in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1 says, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How is running showing patience? How many have ever stopped to consider that? How is it that running is done with patience? The Bible says let us run with patience. I thought patience was sitting around waiting on on stuff to happen. People say, well, I'm just being patient, waiting upon the Lord. And I'm sitting here in my corner doing nothing. No, you can do something and still be patient. Amen. But the patience is trusting God for the reward. It's trusting God for the results. It's trusting God for the answered prayer. Amen. I will do what God's called me to do, but I'll do it with patience. I'm trusting waiting upon the Lord if I'm running with patience if I'm working with patience if I'm involving myself with patience Hebrews 6 and 12 that ye be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises don't be slothful what does that mean don't sit around and do nothing don't just come and watch everybody else get involved. This, this has many meanings here, this scripture. But it says that ye be not slothful followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is talking about a spiritual thing here this morning. We could stop and talk, and I believe it wholeheartedly, full-throatedly, amen, that everybody ought to be working, having a job. There ought to be some hard workers in the apostolic church. Amen. My parents raised me to go out and get a job and and not just expect, amen, handouts to come to my life, but to to get out there and to work and put my resume together and go to college and 
sit around and be powerful and just hang on everything and call and be around. But go after it, get after it. And it's the same mentality that I was raised with that I take into the things of God. If I want something from the Lord, I'm not sitting around waiting, but I'm saying, God, I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to get on an altar. I'm going to have a life of prayer, a life of consecration. I'm getting after the things of God. But sometimes, amen, we're more slothful in the kingdom of God. We're slothful in living for God. You ask people, amen, did they pray? Do they read their Bible? No, I didn't have time. I didn't get around to it. Don't be slothful in your living for God. It was my parents' pastor many years ago, Brother Moses Gutierrez. I heard a tape dating myself, a cassette tape. He said like this. I never forgot it. The sin of the church, the sin of the church is laziness towards their God. The sin of the church is laziness towards their God. Laziness towards their God. Not wanting to get after the things of God. We'll approach life and we'll we'll do everything in our power. We'll go to college and I went to college and we'll get a job and we'll not stop until we get the the job that we want and I'm doing that. And we we don't stop until we get the house that we want and we get the car that we want and we keep working and we keep doing everything in our power and and more power to you in doing that. But the same mentality is to be brought into living for God. God, I'm going to do everything in my power, God. I'm not stopping God until I get what I need from the Lord. Amen. I'm not going to be slothful, but I'm going to get after the things of God. And along that path, I'm going to be patiently waiting upon the Lord to give the fruit and to give the increase in my life. I need it so desperately. We need it, amen, in this church. And my prayer, my belief, my conviction is that in 2020, in just a few short weeks, amen, we're going to enter into that year of destiny for this church. And it will be a momentous year. It will be a year of great destiny, not just for the church, but for your family. If you get after the things of God and say, God, I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to wait upon the Lord, but I'm going to engage in the mission of God. Hallelujah, I'm going to lay aside besetting sins. Amen, that I might be able to get involved and play the keyboard and sing unto the Lord and play the instruments and help with the church and find an area that I can get involved in. I'm going to set aside besetting sins and I'm going to reach for that thing in God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands this morning? Unto the Lord. Come on, why don't we just lift him up here this morning? Jesus, we call upon your name. We're asking you right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. We're praying, God, that the Holy Ghost would fall fresh in this place this morning. We need the touch of the Holy Ghost. We need the moving of the Holy Ghost. God, 
become lazy towards you, God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, right now, would somebody help purpose in their hearts that as I approach this next year, I'm already looking forward to it. I am determined to give God my everything. I'm not going to worry about the results. I'm just going to worry about the process. Just help me to stay on the potter's wheel. God, just use me. Just strengthen me. I'll trust you, Lord, for the answer. But while I'm waiting, I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep dedicating myself unto God. Hallelujah. 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 Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. have patience with others it is no secret that we live life that is surrounded by people and if we are to be a vital part of the church and are going uh, we are going to be constantly interacting with people amen today we may be just a few in number but next year as there's others that come into this place the responsibility is not going to just be upon one or two uh, to teach Bible studies or to get involved. But the responsibility begins to spread to those in the church. And they say, well, I'm just going to teach the Bible study the way that Sister Raina gave it to me. I'm just going to reproduce that, that teaching the way that Pastor taught it to me. And I'm just going to allow God to use me. I may not be perfect, but I'm going to be available. And I'm going to allow God to use me. But I'm going to be patient with those that walk the doors of this church. I'm going to pray over them. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to model for them what Christianity looks like. But I'm going to be patient with them. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of patience. And don't ever forget that we have all been the recipient as I mentioned earlier in this lesson, of incredible patience in our own lives. Never forget that we have been the recipient of great patience. I, for one, have been the recipient of so much patience, not only from my God, but from my parents that are in this place today. And they were patiently waiting. They were patiently working with me and patiently trying to teach me. And I can never forget the patience that they had with me. And so as I approach the world around me, I've got to take that same mindset and say, God, help me to be patient with others. 
Help me to be patient with others. Help me to be patient with them. God, you're still working on them. Just like you're still working on me. The Apostle Paul understood well the challenges of working with other people and addressed this in his writings to the church in Ephesus. He writes in Ephesians 4 and 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It will be a church that is patient with themselves and with others and with their God. Amen. That allows a certain level of unity to get working, to get moving, to get circulating in an apostolic church. We say, well, God's still working on me. He must still be working on them. Just like I pray that God will help me, I'll pray that God will help them. Amen. And as I pray for them, and as I pray for myself, there is a unity that begins to develop in a body. And we need that. The Apostle Paul's main point is that we, if we are going to maintain unity within the body, we will do so by having patience with each other. And I'm taking a little bit longer than I would normally do this morning. James, in his book, said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Hearing, speaking, and reacting have everything to do with how we respond to others. He says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That's talking about relational components. Those are having everything to do with how we respond to others. How we respond to others. And patience, although at times difficult, will always be the best response. And remember that the person that needs your patience, hear me closely tonight, today, amen, the person that needs your patience and love is the one that deserves it the least. The one that needs your patience and love the most is the one that deserves it the least. Let that sink in a little bit this morning. I can be patient with good people, but let a problem person come around. And, well, uh, see, that patience I had, it was a little, a little bit easier. It's different. And we begin to explain, it's different. We've all done that. It's different. This is different as a, as a way to kind of ex- make the exclusion and the exception to the rule. But the person that needs your patience and love the most is the one that oftentimes deserves it the least. But it will be in that that back and forth relationship of patience <clears throat> that the character and the nature of God is revealed in our lives. Some may say, why are you so patient with some people? Well, I don't know, but just God helps me. <clears throat> Somebody else may come along and say, well, I, I wish I could do that. 
I wish I had that. That is not something that I did by myself, but it's through the help of the Holy Ghost. And in this life, if we are a failure or a success, be because we model or did model the character and nature of God in our lives. Amen. If if I go through this life and I live to the ripe old age of the Bible says 80 years is, is a bonus. It says the, the days of a man is uh, three score and, and ten. That's 70 years. But if he lives till 80, it's a blessing. <clears throat> if I live to that ripe old age and I <clears throat> never become the millionaire that I want to become, and I'm working on that, amen. I'm working, amen. And I'm saving, I'm planning, I'm trying to do everything in my power. If I never become that, if, if, if the pendulum swings to the opposite end of the spectrum and I lose everything in a crash, I lose my house and, and, uh, and my, my kids die of illness and my wife dies of illness. You can look at the life of Job. But if at the end of my life, the one thing that I still have is my walk with the Lord, my relationship with God. The world can say, what an abject failure. That man, he, he died with nothing. But how wrong they would be if I died with the world's nothing descriptor, but I have a hold of God in my life. And I got my walk with the Lord. I am a success. And I've allowed the Lord to work in my life. I'm, I'm going to keep moving here. Uh, there's in my study came across this analogy, and I'm going to share it. This may sound a little bit weird, but take a listen. It's an analogy. It says people are really a lot like an egg. See, that's kind of random, and also making me hungry. <clears throat> if you miss breakfast, I apologize. Amen. See, Sister Nancy, after church, she'll make you all breakfast. I'm just teasing. People are really a lot like an egg, this, this, this uh, particular analogy says. Inside of them is great potential for new life and growth. We can either help or hinder their progress by our response to them. Every day that we encounter them, we are given the opportunity to hold them in our hands. That person, that egg. And when they become difficult and unruly, We have the chance to incubate them and cover them until the hard shell breaks on its own and new life breaks forth. Or we have the opportunity to crack that egg in our impatience and to crush it. And if we do that, we'll never see what could have become if we would allow patience to have its perfect work with that egg. Let us never forget that it is because of people that chose to patiently listen to me now. It is because there has been people in our lives that have chose to patiently incubate you and I and did not crush us because of our failures and our missteps and our besetting sins that we are where we are today in the house of God. It's because somebody, amen, took us under their wing and said, I'm 
incubate. I'm going to cover. I'm going to provide warmth. I'm going to provide shelter. And though other eggs may be cracking and you haven't opened up yet, I'm not giving up on you. I'm just going to wait upon the Lord to perform what he said he would do. And I'm going to allow God to work in my life. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we love you today. We praise you today, Lord. I am going to wait upon the Lord. I am going to trust in Him today. Amen. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the last thing, we need to have patience with God. For many people, this is as much a struggle as having patience with themselves and with others. It's that same microwave society that we live in that has inbred in us a mindset that God needs to react to our situations immediately. And we'll get bitter. We'll begin to question God. God, why am I still in this situation? God, why am I still here? I can push a button on the microwave and 30 seconds later it's exactly the way I want it to be. But God, I'm praying and I don't see the change happening by the time I lift my knees from the carpet from prayer. And we got this mentality that God has got to do it right now. And God says, it's in my time. Just wait upon the Lord. Don't get impatient with your God. Hallelujah. The noted minister, Bill Gothler, defined patience this way. It is accepting a difficult situation without giving God a deadline to remove it. Amen. Again. Patience is accept a difficult situation without giving God a deadline to remove it. I accept, God, what you put in my life. And I'm not rushing you, God. I'm not putting a deadline, God. I'm not giving God an ultimatum. But God is going to allow patience to have her perfect work in me. That I would be perfect and entire. I'll be complete, wanting nothing. If I'll be patient and I'll wait upon the Lord. Patience understands that God has a plan and a purpose in everything that he does in your life. Job could write, amen, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Having patience with God means that we resign ourselves to his will. And never a better example than in the Garden of Gethsemane. As the Lord, as the Lord says in the Garden, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. It's okay to feel the way that you feel. It's okay to feel discouraged at times. It's okay to feel distraught. It's okay to feel what you feel. But at the end of the 
feeling that you have in that emotional state you find yourself in, there has to be relinquishing of our will to God. And it has to be, nevertheless, God, not my will, but your will be done. Nevertheless, God, not mine, but thine. Not what I want, God, but what you want. God, I really would love to have that beautiful car. I really would love to have that beautiful Mustang or whatever car it is you set your sights on. That beautiful Mercedes, that beautiful SLA, whatever it would be, Lamborghini. I really would love to have that, God. And that's that's okay. That's, that's okay to have those desires. I would love to have me a beautiful, brand new Acura RLX for $55,000. But my desire has to end like your desire has to end. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want, God. Nevertheless, God, not what I want, but what you want. Yes. Let your will be done in my life, God. Let it be formed in me. Let me get to the place in my walk with the Lord where I relinquish all my desires at an altar of self-sacrifice. And I say, God, it's yours. I'm telling you, God, how I feel. I'm I'm opening up my heart. And that's important if you want to allow God to get in. You've got to open the door of your heart. And you've got to be open and transparent with the Lord. But at the end of it, Sandra, it's got to be God. Nevertheless, let your will be done. Here's how I feel. Here's what's happening in my life. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Patience with him. Realizing that God always answers our prayers. Sometimes the answer is a resounding no. Other times it's a resounding yes. But then there are the times that the answer is, you guessed it, wait a while. Wait a little bit longer. And this is the one that frustrates us the most and exasperates us more than any other could ever do. Uh, And we must keep reminding ourselves that God knows what is best for us. And at times, it is best for us to simply wait. Sometimes God doesn't say no, He doesn't say yes. He just says, wait. Stay and wait. But God... You know what I'm going through. You know what I'm dealing with. You know all the things. You know what's been said about me, God. I'm going to get up and get out of here, God. And God says, no, you sit there and wait. And let it work on you. Let that garden of Gethsemane tear at you. Let it work on you. Till you become that beautiful pearl, amen, that's covered that irritation in your shell. That, That oyster that covers that grain of sand that gets in its shell. And it says, get this out of my shell. Get this out of my world. Get this out of my life. But the, the sand doesn't get removed. You've got to cover that and just say, God, just work on me. This thing that has become an irritant in my life, let it be my crown jewel. This thing, God, that that has become an irritation in my life. Let it become a pearl of great price. That I just look at it and say, man, 
I heard you got a really big grain of sand in your shell. Oh, yeah. It hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. But I allowed God to work in my shell. I allowed God to work in my life. God to work in my shell. He to work in my house. And that thing that everybody else, uh, they, they opened up their shell and they hopped out and they died uh, because they couldn't withstand the process. I, I just said, God, if you put this in my life, if you put this in my shell, you knew I had the ability to overcome it, God. So with the help of the Holy Ghost, here goes, here goes God. I'm going to overcome and with patience, the perfect work is going to be accomplished. And there is, there is a reward at the end of that road of patience in your life. There's a reward. There's a reward. The last verse, Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. God uses patience to teach us his ways. And not all, in verse Romans 5 and 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Next verse. And patience produces experience. And experience produces hope. Next verse. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. He intentionally sends, if you go back to verse 3, Sister Gina, God intentionally sends that word that starts with the T. He sends tribulations to work in our lives. Follow the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, follow the Holy Ghost. I believe the Lord wants to speak right now. Come on, I believe the Lord wants to speak right now. Oh, 
Come on. Come on, let's wait upon the Lord right now. Come on, can we entertain His presence for a few moments? Come on, would you just talk to the Lord? Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let the Holy Ghost talk right now. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, God, speak in this morning to somebody in this house. He's speaking to multiple people this morning. Come on, somebody needs to lose their faith in this place. Somebody needs to just turn their faith loose. Lift up your voice, lift up your hands, whatever you want to do. But just allow God to give you the strength and to fill your soul right now in power with strength and renewing. Come on, God's got his hand on this church. I get excited when I think about what God has done and what he's doing and what he's getting ready to do. 
Ghost this morning. Come on, let's just be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. There's not a mountain to climb. In the name Come on, the scripture says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. Come on. Come on, come on, this is how we overcome, this is how we win, we get in the Holy Ghost and we pray.
Bible says, I think it's in the book of Isaiah. He says, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. He says, as the heavens are high above the earth, I haven't seen the top of the heaven. I don't think Neil Armstrong has either. I haven't seen the top of the heaven. But the scripture says, as high as the heaven is from the earth, so his ways are above our ways. And he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Amen. God has a way of doing things that we don't always understand. He has a way of working our lives that we don't always fully grasp what is happening. Amen. But he's working on us. When I think things are messed up and out of proportion and out of sorts, I remember what the potter's wheel must look like as that clay goes around that, that, that vessel, that instrument that makes the clay and spins it around. And it's not a pretty thing. It's messy. It's ugly. But the end result, the end product is a beautiful vessel of honor. And what God is making here in Abundant Life Center is a beautiful church. A beautiful, beautiful church. Amen. God's making this church the way that he wants it to be. It's a vessel of honor that's going to have many uses in the kingdom of God. If we allow God to work in our lives, we won't be just a church that blesses Lathrop. We won't be just a church that blesses the San Joaquin County. We won't be a church that just blesses Northern California or all of California. I can keep going. We don't. We won't even be a church that just blesses the West Coast or the United States. But if we allow God to work in our lives and through our lives, we will be a church that blesses the world. We'll be a church that blesses the world. How can that be possible? Because of a few things, we allow God to work in our lives. We stay committed to the process. We give to missions. The money goes out to bless Thailand and to bless Brazil and to bless Portugal. And eventually, there may be those from the church that God raises up to go on missions trips and to bless the world. But it happened in the presence of the Lord. Where you just simply said, God, and this is where I came to be, Sister Natalie, and you and the others are in high school, school, came to the point where I said, God, I want to do certain things in life. I want to reach for the stars. I, I want to go as high as I can. But God, if you say differently, God, I'll follow you. Whatever you want me to be, God. 
follow you. I'll be what you want me to be. And God, when God works in a person's life, and we stay committed to the process, it is a thing of beauty that the world looks at and says, wow, look at that. Beautiful, and the church should be beautiful. The church here today is beautiful. There's not another place in this city that you can come to and see Holy Ghost filled, glowing, joyful people than right here in Abundant Life Center. We are that city on the hill, the light to light our world. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet as we...